Bring it. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Feud for Thought. Yes, we're back with another stonking episode. This is me, Ben Simmons, and my ever fabulous colleague. Me, Martin Hill. There he is. Stonking. I've not heard stonking for a while, actually. That was um, probably since the old Red Nose thing. Do you remember Hale and Pierce did that? Let's stonk. (laughs) Oh, I remember that. Good song. I used to like it as well. So we're stonking in. I don't know where stonking came from, just out of the blue at the last minute, you know. But yeah, we are even... stonking. Oh, you mean you just now or in general in life? No, me just now. I you just, I don't know where it came from either. It's just the way your mind works, Ben. It's its its a very complicated minefield of... <laughs> a slightly of... warped place to live, my mind, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine all, all of these things that just pop out your brain <laughs> quite sporadically. Speaking of which, we will get on to your um, brilliant brain teaser, whatever it was, in a second. Yes. But okay. it is uh, it is a milestone event, this one, Ben. Yes. Milestone. And Not have... only is this the first ever episode 12, probably the yes. last ever episode 12, because you know, <laughs> yeah. that's how numbers work, but it is uh, our first ever official guest on the show as well, which is very exciting. That is very exciting. We're going to be joined shortly by a guest who we'll introduce in due course. And also, I'll give you credit for this idea. I think it's a good thing to do. A kind of roundup show of previous podcasts where we can revisit topics we've discussed before and we can even see what the guest thinks about them. Absolutely. And I love getting credit for stuff. So everyone's a winner. <laughs> yeah. This is a this is a win-win situation. I'm Probably very happy. Ex- Probably not for the guests who just may just get angry with us, but we'll <laughs> yeah. see. It's a win-lose we'll situation for the guests. You'll see <laughs> it's a, a win-lose situation. Um, yeah, so straight in with uh, our, our, our new um, intervals then. Intervals, that's the wrong word, but we've, we've got Ben's brilliant brain. Have you got a fact right. for us? Yes, I have got a fact for you that I was interested to learn myself. Um, apparently... Humans only have two body parts that never stop growing. So even when the rest of your body's growth comes to a halt and you start to shrink or whatever you do as you get into old age, your ears... This, oh. Hang on, you've, you've ruined the big moment. Your, oh, sorry. Your ears and your nose never stop growing, apparently. I was going to say, is it something to do with your nose? That was going to be a genuine question because... I generally don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but obviously you know I had uh, COVID, which resulted very much in my nose being uh, out of out of function, so I can't smell anything. Yeah. And the one thing the doctors keep saying is that you know I don't know about the growing thing actually, but they did say that it does regenerate. So like within two years, yeah, you the the uh, your nose should have like re. Oh, yeah, like the cells in it have all, have all become different cells or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So they tell me that there's a, there's a chance I might get my smell back, but within two years. Now, whether that's the truth or whether that's them just saying, come back in two years when I'm not here, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. How can we get rid of it? <laughs> it's just uh, it'll all be fine in two years. Come back and let us know how you did. <laughs> And then in, in two years, when you come back, they're like, yeah, he's Dr. Smith here. Who? What are you on about? <laughs> yeah. No. What's wrong with you? I'll that'd say I still be, can't smell. And they'll be, say to me, 
we'll come back in two years. <laughs> that would be horrendous. An endless cycle of disappointment every two years. Brilliant. Such is my life, mate. Endless cycle of disappointment. Anyway, so that's my brilliant brain for this week. Your ears and your nose never stop growing. I think as a guy, it's weird. You get into your sort of 30s. Well, it happened for me in my 30s. Maybe it hasn't happened for you yet, but you suddenly get a lot more hair. I, I'm, growing I am over 30. Yeah, but you get your hair growing out of your nose and your ears when it never used to grow as violently before, and suddenly you have to trim it quite a lot. I'm not going to lie. I have noticed the nose hair becoming quite violent and vigorous. I mean, I don't know what's going on up there, but it is the, the, the past few years. I have noticed that a lot. Not me ears as much, but definitely yeah. my nose hair. And yeah. it annoys the hell out of me because I have a moustache as well. If I have a long nose hair come out, it moves because of the oh, moustache. Yeah. And, and I'm constantly sneezing everywhere. And it's just ridiculous. Horrendous. Um, Right, so what about your marvellous memories for this edition of the podcast? What are you going to hit us with? Oh, yeah, I, I genuinely nearly forgot that. I was about to crack on with something else. So uh, I'm sticking with my theme. I've kind of dug myself into this well where I'm sticking with it. We've got 100 years and 50 years. Yeah. But I have done what I, I've pulled a Ben, I think, here, and I've done <laughs> a little bit of research. Nice. So two big events, particularly in the lifestyle of... Uh, I don't know, the rich and firm. I don't know where I was going with that sentence. <laughs> but um, starting again, right, so 100 years ago, 1921, big event that happened that year was it was the first ever feature film, which was called The Lucky Dog by comedy duo Laurel and Hardy. Ah, now our guest will probably want to talk about them later on. Yeah, absolutely. Fast forward 50 years, 1971, was the big famous uh, Andre Previn appearance on Morecambe and Wise? Ah, yeah. Again, two big comedy duos there, and I happen to know See, for a fact, Benjamin, what you've done. For a fact, yeah. <laughs> purely based on this person's website, which I have been perusing today, that Laurel and Hardy and Morecambe and Wise are two of this guest. Uh, inspirations, shall we say, for what was essentially been his career i'm hoping absolutely I'm right well, on that one i think that's a, a marvelous lead in a marvelous segue from martin hill there without f any further ado i think we I should bend it <laughs> i think we should say a huge hello to our guest for this podcast he can only be described as my dad he's also known to <laughs> many as keith simmons Woo! yes hello everybody it's keith simmons <laughs> <laughs> Hi Keith. God, the the performer gene just runs through your bloodline like nothing I've seen. Yeah, I'm wearing at the moment, I'm wearing my performer jeans. Is it? <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Now listen, you must have been excited then to hear uh, Laurel and Hardy get mentioned in your introduction from Martin there. Very much so. I have the complete works of uh, Laurel and Hardy on DVD. Uh, which was a Christmas present some years ago. And uh, no, brilliant. I, I love them. All the stuff they used to do made, made me laugh. And uh, I am wearing my Laurel and Hardy tie at the moment, which oh, was yeah. recently. Yeah. So there you go. It's all tied in very nicely. Did and you see the, the uh, recent film about them? I did. I've seen it twice now. Uh, oh. It wasn't, I, I wasn't too... I thought it was brilliant. I thought Steve Coogan 
was brilliant as Stan Lowe. And he, was. he is brilliant in general. I am a fan both, of him. They were both great as Laurel and Hardy. Uh, but it wasn't fa- it wasn't quite factual enough for me. That it annoyed me a bit, some of the bits in it that were done just to make the film more interesting, I suppose. But I mean they they didn't carry their own luggage about and, and stay in terrible places like like they were shown in, in that. But the worst thing for me was how Lord Delphont was portrayed. Because the the way they made him portrayed him in the film was like he was a bit of a spivvy sort of character, and he wasn't anything like that at all. Um, I'm glad cl- to say I met Lord Delphont. I sat in his office and chatted with him about Laurel and Hardy. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, a, a great, very interesting man. But the way he was portrayed in that film wasn't wasn't uh, accurate at all. I thought. But the film itself, I, I thoroughly enjoyed. I thought it was brilliant. Uh, and their portrayal of my comedy heroes was uh, was amazing. Now there's was never... his... Oh, go on, Ben. I was going to say, there's obviously been portrayal of Lauren Hardy recently on film. There's been stage plays portraying Morecambe and Wise. There's never been a film about anything to do with Morecambe and Wise. But uh, obviously... Yes. I remember when I was a kid, their still their Christmas specials were still being shown all the time and were hugely successful. Um, but yeah. obviously, they were your other big inspirations, weren't they, Dad? Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I, I can remember when we were doing pantomimes, especially in Scotland. I remember we all went round to the uh, producer's home, all to watch the Morecambe and Wise Christmas special. Oh, the whole <laughs> cast, practically. You know, it was it was really something great. And uh, uh, I only went and saw them live once, uh, Eric and Ernie, at Margate. My, your uncle, Alan, yeah. and my brother and I went to see them. And I just thought they were brilliant. And uh, the only time I've gone round to the stage door and waited for someone to come out. And Ernie came out yeah. and uh, it was great. And, and then a bit later, Eric came out. They, they travelled on their own. So Eric came out on his own. But I always remember... He thanked all the people for staying behind and waiting for him at the stage door. It like it wasn't a bind to be signing autographs and everything. It, it was like they were doing him a favour. It was really. Oh yeah, I've I've uh, heard a lot of good things about both of them actually, and I do like the the double act thing as well, which is what I will come on to in a little bit. But um, they they also had a there was a show about them. Uh, there was a TV show about um, Markham and Wise. There wasn't a the, there wasn't a film film, but I'm sure there was a TV show no, one that I've seen. There was a great one where Victoria Wood played um, Eric's mother. Oh yeah, yeah. And that was that was excellent. I thought because uh, and it was very oh. interesting to me because when they uh, were starting out. Uh, they were with a man called Brian Mickey, who uh, did a show called Youth Takes a Bow, which they were on. And my brother, your uncle Dennis, who died when he was 19, he was a ventriloquist and he was on Youth Takes a Bow. I don't know whether he ever worked with Morgan Wise. I never found out. But No, I don't think on. it was. I don't think it, I don't think what I'm thinking of was Morgan and Wise, but there was something that had Eric Morgan in it very recently. Uh, and. Um, and I can't quite remember who the actual story was about, but I remember him being in it and go, ah, and some, they were at 
something happened and I thought, oh, I'd never actually... They were like at an event or something and Eric Morgan was there and I'd never... In my head, I'd never pictured that they were at these kind of events all the time, like star oh. events where it's just full of celebrities and stuff. And there was a there yeah. was a thing with... Uh, Eric Morgan was quite prolific in it, but I'd, I'd have to... It's just come into my head now as we were talking about them, and I thought I'm sure I've seen something recently. But they are—they were a big thing for me. Morkman wise were uh, a big thing for me growing up. I kind of dipped into Laurel and Hardy a little bit because I've always—I have always personally been a fan of the double act thing. I was a big fan. Uh, my era double acts—you're kind of looking at Hale and Pierce, um, which I liked. I liked Smith and Jones a lot. I was a big fan yeah. of those. Um, yeah. And to a certain extent, I do kind of still, I kind of class them as a double act, but I do think that uh, Harry Enfield and Paul Whitehouse in my era were kind of always seen together during that yeah. time. I know over the last 10, 15 years, whatever, they've done everything very separately, but they were always on their TV shows together all the time when I when I saw So not technically a double act, but I've always kind of put them together. So the point being, so double acts for you, is something that's kind of always been within your family. I think, because obviously anyone who does listen to this who doesn't know us um, aren't going to have a clue of your background. So I just want to delve into it a little bit. I'm going to say briefly, because I know you like to talk. I've already established that now. <laughs> but, um, so your family history. So you started off when I was looking at your website. I knew already, but I didn't realize all these old websites still existed. So you've still got one, which is Simmons, uh, the Simmons Brothers. Simmons Brothers, yeah, yeah. So that's how you started out, then, was it? Yeah, With your actually, we started out called the Simmons. We we made a record for Pi Pi Records. A guy signed us up and became our manager, and he'd been a trumpet player with the Billy Cotton Band. Right. And he uh, he took us to an agent, uh, Michael Black, and that agent took us to Pi Records. And within a, a month, we'd signed a contract and we made a record uh, for Pi. And they decided to call us the Simmons rather than the Simmons Brothers or anything else. There was a point where we were going to be called the Brothers Simon. And we thought that would oh. sound like monks. <laughs> so <laughs> we didn't like that idea. So... They called us the Simmons, and we had this record out. There's two songs I'd written called uh, "Take Me Where the Sun Shines." Was on the it was the old fashioned days of A sides and B sides. "Take Me Where the Sun Shines" was the A side, and uh, Leanne, a, a song I'd written, was on the B side. And Jimmy, and my big claim to fame is that Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin, before he was Led Zeppelin, he played guitar on that record. So you still had out music that you, you yeah wanted... yeah we were a voc- we were an out and out vocal act yeah that's what we were trying to be and then when the record wasn't a success we very quickly started putting jokes in between the songs and slowly the comedy crept in and took over really from the music and uh, I, I suppose we that was in 60, 66 we made the record and uh, by nineteen seventy we were really classing ourselves more as a comedy act who sang. But so, uh, sorry, Ben, I will let you speak eventually. It's don't fine, worry, I'm but... good. <laughs> don't, don't you worry, uh, carry on. So, when you got into, when you started doing the comedy stuff, was that based on because of your love for comedy and Laurel and Hardy and that, or did you then research it after the fact? Like, did you think, no, oh, this is good, and research a bit more of comedy, or was it, I know comedy, I'm going to put it into this act? Yeah, yeah, no, we, all, we always went for more visual stuff, and that was because of, 
Laurel and Hardy, I think. We were ne yeah. uh, we never classed ourselves as a sort of crosstalk double act. We 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 enjoyed doing visual comedy. So we, we mucked about with a lot of that sort of stuff. But like everyone else, when we first started, we were pinching gags from people. And anything we heard that we thought was funny, we tried to make it suit ourselves. Because That's a lot funny. of the... Um, well, both of those double acts really are very physical. Themselves. Like uh, Laurel and Hardy probably more so because they more didn't so have the... They, they didn't have uh, the dialogue wasn't really prevalent in their era of filmmaking, I suppose. No, that's um, the great thing about them, the fact that they were able to switch over from being silent film stars yeah. to, to the talkies, and it still worked with them, you know? Yeah. And it's then, also, those, those later double acts you mentioned, like Hale and Pace uh, and, uh, uh, um, what did you say? They changed the way uh, they, they stopped being that old fashioned form of straight man and comic. You know, you, you, you could cross borders with them there, really. You yeah. know, you, you couldn't say, well, he's definitely the comedian and he's definitely the straight man. Whereas with Malcolm and Wise, Although he was still stupid, you knew Ernie was yeah, straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ernie was more pompous. And, yeah, no. And much like Oliver Hardy was with Laurel and Hardy. You know, he was yeah. still stupid, but in a totally different way. And and I quite liked uh, one of the big ones actually. Who, bizarrely, I completely slipped my mind. But one of my hero, one of the people that got me into comedy by by far is uh, Ronnie Barker. Who so the the two Ronnie and I just think he he to me was the the genius of of all yeah I just loved everything about the two I I, I, I do have the two Ronnies collection and uh, I used to have Mark yeah. and Wise I say I used to have some the specials uh, I used yeah. to have, which the Andre Previn one was one of my favorites yeah but Mark and Wise depended on writers like Eddie Braben wrote for, for them for a long time. Whereas uh, uh, Ronnie Barker was writing a lot of the stuff himself, as, as yeah. Gerald Wiley under the other name. Yeah, I yeah, I saw a thing on that. Uh, yeah, when you see the sketches <clears throat> he wrote, I mean, absolutely brilliant. Really. So it, much of Ronnie Barker's material as well was all sort of wordy and wordplay. And I remember as he loved guy, words, he I loved yeah. language. Yeah. I remember yeah. watching their shows when I was growing up. And I think when I first got into comedy, that really sort of rubbed off on me. I've always loved sort of messing about with words and the way you can <clears throat> use language and stuff like that to be funny and get different yeah. reactions from things. And I've always found that really interesting. And he, I don't know if it was just Ronnie Barker or other writers they used as well, but he, he seemed to be really clever at his use of words in their comedy. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, one of, their, one of their most famous sketches, the Four Candles. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just it's just brilliant to come across that. And I also knew a guy who worked in the in uh, where was it a, a hard not a hardware shop but a departmental store, and someone came in and asked him for uh, uh, he thought cur uh, curtain rails, and he sent him up to Haberdashery, and they were actually asking for cotton wool. 
And yeah. if you say like a Scotsman, you know, have you got any cotton reels? <laughs> it's it's yeah, cotton yeah, yeah. reels or it's curtain rails. And it's exactly the same thing as four candles. And yeah, uh, no, I always wanted to write a sketch based on that. <laughs> it was a, a genius sketch, that, and, and one that I think everyone, and that's one that just never dies with time. No, like, right. it's, exactly. it's one that's because people will always understand language and people yeah. like Barker will always do stuff like that. And I, I do say, are you, uh, are you a bloke, are, are you a guy who a clock fell on his head and he died with time, actually? <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. I'm going to get a lot of this. I have this with Ben. You, you've trained Ben well. <laughs> So the next step there was you and your brother were a double act. <clears throat> so somewhere along the line, something happened, and I'm not sure what, that decided you were going to work with your son. Now, is that a decision? I think it was because you... he, he was born and he was in the house. And I think... <laughs> Didn't know what else to do with him. <laughs> got to do something with this kid. Just so what actually happened in, in uh, uh, 2002, uh, the trouble was I'd taken, uh, I'd taken on a lot of writing. I was doing a lot of comedy writing, primarily for Brian Conley. My favourite. Uh, for quite a few other people as well. Actually, I did write some stuff for Hale and Pace, to be honest. Um, yeah, but... The, uh, um, one of the most annoying things I've found with Ben is I am a big Brian Conley fan, and I'll keep saying, oh, yeah, I've got this joke from Brian Conley, and he'll keep going, yeah, I think my dad wrote that. <laughs> I'm like, all oh, oh, right, you know it then, do you? All right, I'll see I, I wrote for him for 17 years, so I did cover a lot of period of time with him. But, uh, and am I, I right in saying, did, didn't we talk about that? Am I right in saying one of my all time favorite bits of the Royal Variety performances down to you? Well, he, I know Dad was there when that happened, but when Brian came out and was hosting it and just fell in the pit. You never, the orchestra, wrote, but... you never actually wrote that, did you? Oh, you, I thought did. you were... Tell no, Martin the story done. about what you did, because you could have been on the Royal Variety it was, it, was a, it was a standard gag. I was there with him at that time. It was in Birmingham. And uh, the uh, Brian came up to me. He said, they've come up with an idea before my next entrance. This was a jury rehearsals. He said, before my next yeah. entrance, will you walk on with a cone, like a traffic cone, and put it in front of the orchestra pit so as like to warn me that it's there because I've done the fall in the pit the first time. So to right. stop me doing it again, I said, I right. So we did it at rehearsals and I, I put it there. And uh, then they came up to me just before the show itself and said, I'm sorry, there won't be time for you to do that. So we had, to, we had, they cut me out, but I've still got a form thanking me for appearing in the Royal Variety did you did you meet the royal? Was there a royal in attendance? Which one? Yes, the queen was there. No, I didn't meet her that night. Unfortunately, I was. I just shared the dressing room with Brian Condy and quite a few other comics. It was a. Yeah. It was a great night. Actually, it was very very amusing. But uh, it was interesting to see the nerves everyone suffers because it's a royal variety performance. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so now we have the new Simmons and Simmons. And you yeah, guys well, have been yeah, going for how long? Well, just as I say, in, in 2002, my brother Alan and I decided he decided to pack up the, the act, the Simmons Brothers, because right. he was offered a full time job with a, a company that put out uh, people in costumes. So he, he decided to do that and take on full time work because when, when the Simmons Brothers weren't working, oh. I had all this writing work. So I was okay and he wasn't really. Right, so he took I a see. Job. 
I carried on for three years on my own, did three pantomimes on my own of quite a few other bits, and I didn't really enjoy it so much. And so I then said to Ben, who was now an out-of-work actor, I said, why don't you join me in a double act? It's still an out of work actor. <laughs> no, no, it's changed. But that goes down to language because I, I genuinely, I, Ben had always said, oh, my dad used to be in a double act with his brother. I always knew there was a history to the Simmons clan uh, yeah. and family or whatever. But when someone says to you, oh, yeah, my dad used to be like with his brother and then I took over, the instant, the natural reaction is, or something bad's happened there, I'm not going to ask about. So I've never asked, like, what happened to your brother? Because I've always thought, yeah. I'm not going to bring that up. That's a bit yeah. moody. I've never asked, but I've always <laughs> just assumed that he, he, he passed or something. Oh, no, no. But, um... no, no. In fact, he had a letter published in the uh, Daily Mail yesterday with a cartoon of him, of my brother. Oh, and really? He, yeah, and he, it's like the star letter, and, it's, and he says... With my brother Keith, we were the Simmons brothers, topping the billing summer season in Margate in 2001. And then nice. he tells a story about that. So, uh, well, yeah, my, we apolo- still- my apologies to Alan if he listens to this. I have thought you've been dead for quite some time. <laughs> 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 but it, it was purely through, you know, the way it was introduced to me, not, not yeah, through anything. Yeah. Uh, it's it's, it's entirely, entirely fair enough. We should point out that, yes, my, my uncle Alan is alive and well and residing <laughs> in Lincolnshire. And he still performs a little bit. He still does ventriloquism. He went back to his first love after having a break for quite a while and working for this events company. Um, and then, yeah, I can remember, people often say to me, I realise we've got a load of stuff to get through and we're just sort of talking about double yeah, sorry, but that's fine. On. But people often say to me, how did it come about? Why did you start working with your dad? And dad was working in these pantos with other people and they kept, the producers wanted dad to be able to perform old Simmons Brothers routines because they knew the, how well they worked in Panto and therefore they would get other performers to perform them with him. So we had Tim Healy do a routine of theirs and have to learn my uncle's part in it. And the following year, he had Jeff Hughes, who was in Keeping Up Appearances and Coronation Street, the Royal Family. Um, and he had him do a similar routine and have to learn it. And both Tim Healy and Jeff Hughes said it was unbelievably difficult to learn their routines because of the intricacies of it and the timing. And I remember saying to dad, I could do it. I know them. I've grown up with them. It's so weird. And he said, well, why don't we try work together? It was literally a conversation like that at home. And then we planned doing a one nighter to see how it went which was a bit crazy, really, because it meant we had to do like an hour, hour and a half's worth of material. So I had to learn or go over everything they did together in one night, like to perform in one night. But it went really well. And we just sort of carried on from there. And we sort of adapted their old routines to make it have a slightly different stance with father and son instead of two brothers. But it's all it's all gone really well. It's when, got, we, um... when we did that, when we went over everything, we realised we've been getting away with murder because it was all crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's a brave thing to do because, well, one, working with families never the... I mean, I loved my dad to bits. Absolutely loved him. Great man. But if he asked me to go on tour with him or to come on tour with me or whatever, I would literally have told him to do one right there and then and I'd have gone, no, I'm all right. I'll, I'll deal with this myself, thanks. I'll take my chances on the solo career. Because it's hard. Well, it, 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 it is hard. I'll admit to you now, Martin, 
this is the first time Ben and I have spoken for three years. <laughs> I, I wouldn't blame you. I was stuck in a van with him for more. And I'll tell you something. I don't think I've ever known anyone just blankly not listen to me as much as Ben did during that, actually, that time. Actually, let's reveal on this podcast, we were doing a job together delivering when the um, pandemic was taking hold and we needed work. We worked together. And so many times he'd say something to me and I'd go, yeah, but what about this and this and this? And he'd sort of look at me as if, is he joking? <laughs> and I'd be like, what? And he went, I just said that. And I'd be like, oh, right. But about, I'm not kidding. We worked together for three months. Yeah, about two and a half, three months. I must have done that about 50 times. <laughs> daily bit, daily. It was unreal. <laughs> to the point, I genuinely thought you were trying to wind me up. I just thought sometimes I thought he's got to be doing this. I would say something and he would literally repeat it back to me as if it was his idea. It's like, it was like the ultimate joke steal. I've ever, you know, it's just like, it's crazy. Now, if you think about it, there's a sitcom there for you too. There is. Yeah. Well, this is what I was going into because like with, with the double acts, you know, there's always a fatty and a skinny, isn't there? So <laughs> I, I, I think I think we fit the quota of a, of a double act, to be honest. We, we tick all bases. Nice, so, nice. Now, we've listen. got a title for it for the two of you doing deliveries like that. Call it car share. That's not yeah. being done, is it? <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> nice work. Yeah, yeah we'll lovely. steal everything. <laughs> now, um, we can still talk about your early career. I don't know if this was before... No, this was, wasn't before you worked with Alan because you did some other stuff on the side. But last week, you may or may not Oops. be aware, we talked about Doctor Who at great length. And uh, Martin was amazed yeah. to hear that you have featured in Doctor Who. That's true. Was. I was in an episode with Tom Baker. Oh, I yeah. can't remember what number episode it was, uh, but I, was, I played Radiation Man. <laughs> <laughs> Catchy title. You should have been in our crap, crap superheroes from from, from our um, other podcast. That was funny, the superheroes. What was that guy who had loose change come out of yeah. his wrist? Yeah, so, Summit Dollar, wasn't it? Captain I'll Dollar, never forget that, the almighty dollar. Almighty he dollar. Fire, yeah. He can fire loose dollar. change out of his wrists. Brilliant. Yeah. It was hilarious. So yeah. how would... How would uh, what was he? Do what was he? Radiation Almighty man. Dollar. No, how would Almighty Dollar face against Radiation Man? What was it? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'd have uh, I'd have taken the money and run. <laughs> Did, what? Why was he radiation? Did he soak up radiation or emit radiation? No, no. I was just uh, to be honest. I've got a clue what I was doing in the thing. Actually. Oh, <laughs> I, I I didn't find out I was Radiation Man until someone wrote to me about it. Some guy wrote to me and said. Um, could I have your photograph, please, uh, as you were Radiation Man in Doctor Who? <laughs> and I've got my own page on some Doctor Who site somewhere. Unbelievable. And well, people have often said to me, you should, because they do them in uh, not seminars. What are Yeah, they? like conventions. Conventions. Conventions, yeah. 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 They do you could totally do it. There will, be, there will be people who will know exactly who you are. Yeah, in, yeah. Those, in those conventions because they follow it to, to the T. I mean, it's a yeah, it's, it's a crazy to a, to a lesser extent. Yeah, to a lesser extent, you get people like that in the pantomime world and all the pantos that Dad and I have done together. Um, that you get 
occasionally these people hanging around outside the stage door and they just want you to sign flyers and sign their books and they're going around the country to every panto getting everybody in each panto to sign something and there's a group of about well i know five about four or five guys that do it and we see them regularly look at that great really? guy. that's a thing we work, yeah we work with malcolm lord yeah ben yeah 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 uh, we worked with play... a guy in Crawley uh, about 15 years ago, 16 years ago, and he was the dame in our panto, and he'd played Bungle in Rainbow. I think there, oh, were, there were two Bungle. or three different actors who played Bungle, but he did it for the longest stint, which was like eight or nine years or something, and he had groupies waiting outside the stage door who wanted to meet Bungle. It's like, he's just dressed as a giant bear. You wouldn't know who it was, and you want to meet him. <laughs> It was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> we said we always want to know who's under the mask of things though. Like even like you know, even like Darth Vader or something like that. It, it now, wasn't uh, even yeah. his voice. What it, it was just a guy just walking around in Darth, but someone else giving yeah. him life because it was James Earl Jones' voice. Yeah. But it was the Green Cross yeah. Code guy. I love it? that. If you see um like set footage of Star Wars and Dave and it, Prowse speaking the lines and he's got like a strong Bristolian accent. It's just Dave not Prowse. as evil, is it? I am your father, yeah. yeah. Dave, Dave Prowse he only passed away a couple of weeks ago, didn't he? Yeah, did yeah, he? yeah, that's right. Yeah. You, you did a cruise with him, didn't you? I you, did. You, I played you... piano on a cruise and what kind uh, of cruise is this, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> a, a regular, you, you and Prowse on a cruise? A regular holiday cruise. Um, I was in the Ents team. And what was weird was he'd just had a hip replacement, Dave Prowse, and he was on board the ship as a guest speaker and was talking about his career. And on the final night of entertainment, they got everyone from the staff up on the like lounge stage and all the guests throughout the week. And I was next to Dave Prowse. And because the ship was wobbling a little bit and he just had a hip replacement, he was leaning on me more and more and sort of finished up with his arms sort of round me, really leaning on me. And I went, no one would believe I'm currently holding up Darth Vader. Otherwise he wouldn't be able to stand. Did he tell you it was his, he was your father and, <laughs> I would never have believed it to be try, fair. Try and take you back to his cabin. <laughs> no, there was nothing like that. <laughs> he, was I was, a, he was a nice guy, wasn't he? He was a, a lovely bloke. Yes, I joke. I've never met him. I don't, I, I don't mean to, uh, especially if he died a couple of weeks ago. I don't no, also, you said there, which alludes back to one of our podcasts. I like how we're trying to interlink things now. Said, yeah, I forgot. Sorry, go on. <laughs> you said about you always want to know who's under the mask. We did a whole podcast about surprising entertainment where you're not expecting to enjoy something. You end up enjoying it. That definitely happened to me with The Masked Singer. Which, oh, here we when... go. See, you see, Keith, right, despite everything, I always give Ben credit for being an absolute pro stuff like that. Who detected <laughs> that there? I was sitting here for ages going, where's he going with masks? What on earth? <laughs> I was. I don't remember doing a podcast on masks, but in the back of his head, it's all churning. That yeah, that is yeah. That's that's the Simmons bloodline. I tell you. <laughs> Thanks for that. I have got to tell you though, the first time I saw that program, the English version of it, because I think it started in Korea and they did it in America, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" And there was a tree singing, and then it got voted off, and it was Glenn Hoddle, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, yeah. I don't. What is going on? And uh, unbelievable. And then everyone loves it. Like you do. I do. You... I do actually like it. I, I. I've never been a fan of like X Factor or those kind of no. singing shows. But that no. one really got me in. 
with the whole exception of the whole. Uh, well, to start with, I don't like the host, the guy who yeah. hosted. I think yeah. he's rubbish. Wait, but wait, no, wait, no wait, offense. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the whole the the chanting, take it off. Yeah, and, yeah, it go- yeah. and it goes on forever, and all they have to do is this. And yeah. like, they just milk it. I don't like that kind of and, stuff. But I, I, for those who obviously no one can see, I just lifted my arms above my head. But, um, uh, I, I forgot. I forgot it was a podcast for a minute. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it is. It is a really entertaining show. I found it. It's bizarre how it hooked me and, and Alana in. We we do watch yeah, that. Same, yeah. same thing with me because Fran uh, started watching it, and I said, "Ah, oh, what a load of rubbish!" And then slowly, <laughs> week yeah. week, I, I really got into it. It just annoys me to keep the cutaways of the judges all the time. Yeah. And the way they're going on, it's like they've been told they've got to react to all this stuff. That that annoys me. Yeah, But the yeah. actual concept, the whole thing of the show is brilliant, I think. Having, actually, that's interesting. Having spent a lot of time with you in TV studios because of your work as a writer on Connolly stuff and then stuff you've done on TV as well, it really annoys me when I can see something on TV that I know is being manipulated or the audience are being told to react a certain way that the general public might not realise that. And just fake stuff and judges on things, people walking off of stuff and it's just to get publicity and I don't know, all kinds of things going on. But I'm like, it really annoys me the thought of people actually believing all that kind of stuff. It is. Yeah, they, they do sort of things like that. I, I have just noticed the time thing flag up as well. So I do want to hit on a couple of things. Firstly, yeah. Keith, very important question. What is your favourite biscuit? <laughs> Our second ever podcast was all about biscuits. I realise it's putting you on the spot. If you could only choose one or even two, well, if you had to pick a favourite biscuit, what would you most look forward to? They don't taste like they used to, but it's bourbon. Really? Yeah. Now, oh, good old Bourbon. Com- yeah. completely independently of like, no, we haven't spoken to each other about this. They are my favourite biscuit. So that yeah, has whatever. been genetically handed down. Bourbon cream. Has it? Well, yeah. then that, that's the shit part of your DNA. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what you're getting passed down is biscuits, then yeah, I feel sorry <laughs> for you. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, right, we're gonna we're gonna dad, we're gonna hit you with some topics from our previous podcast, sort of quick fire, otherwise we're gonna run out of time. Oh, so Bourbons yeah. are your favorite biscuits. We did a yeah. whole episode on controversial figures, uh, but we also did a whole episode on Donald Trump. Now, when yeah. he was on the um American Apprentice, I, I know you quite liked him, and I know he came across quite well on that, but um, I, mean, I, I thought the American Apprentice was better than the English one at the time. Yeah. I enjoyed it more. Yeah. Did you degree, end up yeah. did you end up because of the way it all was portrayed in the media and the way he seemed to have conducted himself, did you end up thinking he was a bit of an ass? What as president? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, all all that. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I, I couldn't believe some of the things he did as president. Yeah. He should have stayed with the the American apprentice. He'd have been okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he was ever massively sort of respected. And then when he did that, he kind of, he came across a lot better and then just ended up kind of coming across as a figure of ridicule by the end of his presidency, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. it was but ridiculed. Not, but not for a lot of Americans, apparently. Well, yeah, that's... a lot of people voted for him. 
the unbelievable thing more republican votes than there's ever been it just happens that slightly more democrats voted than republicans but yeah so without going into any morbidity of this uh the one that you did brush over there was the controversial figures uh one that that we did chat about and uh, i do advise anyone who who is wondering what this is about to go back and listen to that episode because it is a good one but ben did tell us the story about you and rolf harris being friends and him drawing this picture yeah. of your uh what do they call it big big yeah, rat? King, king rat king, yeah your your bro- your sort of artwork on your cover for the year you were king rat there's a ball every year brochure covers, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, because well, this is this is a thing of mine when it comes to things like this is that um one of the things that we were discussing, I don't know if you've listened to the episode, is obviously that was something that meant a lot to you when you received it. Does what he's been accused of, I'm not going to ask you whether you believe it or not, that's that's your personal opinion or whatever, but what he's been accused of and what he's been depicted as in the media and that now, does that change your perception of that particular image, that drawing? Yeah. Do you still cherish it like you did when it was yeah. given to you? Yeah, they are still on my wall, actually. They're still displayed on the wall at home because when he did them, I didn't know anything about what he was going to be accused of. Yeah. I was very proud of him doing them. uh, And I classed him as a a distant friend, really, because um, I met him at many uh, charity functions and things. Mm -hmm. And he agreed to do those, those two covers for me. Uh, the original so and I took I did two tours with him where I saw nothing of the sort of thing he was uh accused of right uh, yeah, yeah he was just always very friendly with people but um is what well, I things, think that's right? what he's been accused of <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah yes true but I mean I think Ben told you I was willing to go and appear in court for him as a character witness because that is true. I didn't see anything untoward at all on the two tours we did with him. Uh, and any occasion I was with him, I never saw anything like that. So I was willing to be a character witness, but I wasn't called. But Paul Elliott, who produced pantomimes with me and with, uh, with Rolf as well on other occasions, he did appear as a character witness because he believed in him as well. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, it yeah. is difficult when you're that close to the person in question, and that's why I'm not going to delve into feelings or anything like that because that's un- un- unfair, really. Uh, to, especially in a public space, to put to put you in that position. But no, it's more about the perception of the the art. Because, uh, uh, yeah, my thing with it is if someone if you enjoy something that someone has created, it's not necessarily whether it's a picture of you or whether it's a piece of art or whatever. It shouldn't necessarily be about the person who's created it as much as it is the feeling that the, whatever it is gives you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's and so, so, so that's yeah, that was the essence about. of it. Yeah, in our episode, it's quite interesting because there's musical figures or figures in the music industry who've then been discovered to have committed heinous crimes and then it suddenly becomes that you can't listen to their music. You can't enjoy yeah. their music because it's always associated with what they've done when at the time they recorded it and however many years before anyone knew anything about it, so many people listened to it, got enjoyment from it and whatever. And it's such a strange phenomenon, isn't it, when that kind of happens, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yes, that's true, actually. Yeah, that is a point. But it's, yeah, it's, it's no different, is it? Actually, when you think about it, it, if the music 
touches you at the time and you enjoy it, it shouldn't affect who it was doing it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, totally. Um, um, to try and end on a lighter note, because we're going to have yes, to say yeah, bye to you in a couple of minutes due to uh, technical, oh, no, no, <laughs> technical restrictions. One of our previous episodes was all about the future and what we perceive could happen in the future. Now, as someone who's got more life experience than either of us, I've got to ask if someone had said to you in the like 50s or when you were growing up as a teenager in the early 60s or whatever, in 50 years time, you're going to have a device that fits in your pocket that you can find information about anything on. You're going to be able to fly all over the world within a few hours. You know, would, would you have believed it? <laughs> uh, thinking back now, I suppose not really. It's quite incredible. Just a mobile phone. I mean, it really annoys me now. I wish I'd had a mobile phone that took photographs. When I think of all the people I worked with that I haven't got any photographs with them, and you would have just brought out your phone and done a selfie, wouldn't you? With, yeah, with yeah, exactly. Well, listen, <clears throat> Dad, I'm really sorry, but we are going to have to say bye to you. But thank you so much for being on our podcast thank and you. being a fabulous contributor. What I'm proud of is we haven't had a feud between us. Not yet, but wait until we go off the air and then who knows? <laughs> but you're welcome back. We will delve into the Simmons and Simmons thing. I think you, you're you welcome back to have a catch-up and a round-up of uh, episodes again, for sure. Thanks, Martin. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Cheers. Great. Thanks. I'm no worries. Thank you very much. We'll well see done. Okay. Take care. Cheers. Take Thanks. care. Bye-bye. Well, that was my dad. He's gone. We'll be back again another time, maybe. I was going to say, you don't say it like that, Ben. We've already had discussions on how you say things. <laughs> like you can't say, that was my dad, he's gone. <laughs> I can. I'm speaking figuratively, he's gone from the meeting, not the world. Obviously, that would be horrendous. It but, would uh, be horrendous. If yeah. that had just happened, that would be awful. Um, but, well... Nice guy, good laugh. It does yes, have a good indeed. laugh, your dad. He's always been a good laugh. No, I don't, I don't mean... Well, I do mean it in both ways. He is a good laugh, but he has a good laugh. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. But uh, he's always good at coming up with a quip related to anything you're talking about, and he'll quite often come up with cheesy-style jokes, you know, that can be to do with any kind of conversation. He's been good like that. Yeah, and that's where you get that from. Clearly, yes. It's yeah, yeah. hereditary. It is. It is. There's, there's something in that bloodline. I don't know what it is, yeah. but it's there. <laughs> yeah. um, the slightly cheesy humour. We'll enjoying yeah, wordplay. Yes. Yeah. Your uncle saw sense. He got out well he could. <laughs> now I should just say to give us to get us talking back about our podcast again. I just said to my dad about could he have imagined when he was young like mobile phones, devices that you can go on the internet and find out information about anything. It's craziness. You know, even I think we talked about this in our future thing, but even when we were kids, you know, when you think of the advances they've been, it's crazy. And we talked a lot about driverless cars coming in and the idea of teleportation and whether that'll ever be possible. What about, I can't remember how much we had an opportunity to chat about this. What about aliens the discovery of life on other worlds will it happen in our lifetimes or will it never happen uh i mean i don't know where technology is at to say whether it happens in our lifetime or not but yeah. uh it's got to happen at some point 
Surely. I do think I do think it's it's probably one of the most arrogant things we can do is to assume that this entire universe is just for us. Yeah, it's it just strikes me as completely under. Now the the problem with it is, um, and this is why I go against the it ever happening in our lifetime. Okay, is yeah. the the actual science behind it and the physicalities of us getting to yeah. another planet that is it uh, inhabited is extremely unlikely but i yeah. do think there's some I, I do think there's something out there there just has to be when you the, say all that, of yeah. this just for one little planet is ridiculous yeah. now, should be more. now we know that we're in one galaxy and there's hundreds of billions of galaxies in the known universe or whatever you're right in terms of distance from stars to have habitable living conditions or whatever it, it the law of averages means there has to be but um what is what is kind of weird and sort of freaks me out a little bit is they I think have they discovered or maybe I'm thinking it wrong it's like they have discovered there is basically a limit to the universe so the universe doesn't just go on forever obviously with our planet you can circle it you can go round it and you can go round and round and then you can get to like a distance that's measurable into another galaxy or whatever but i'm sure they've discovered there is a limit to the universe and imagine if at some point in the future anyone ever finds a way of traveling vast distances without suffering any ill effects and it's like what there is actually an end to it to to, to space you know they, like what happens there comes a point where you can't go any further how how is that going to work you know that that i don't know well i mean you you've just laid that on me i've not heard that fact before i'm happy to as you were explaining it to me the immediate image came into my head of the truman show yeah he's, yeah where he's sailing through the sea and he just hits a wall and i'm <laughs> like maybe that is it maybe maybe we're all in a truman show but i haven't thought as about that was, film for ages i love the truman show great film yeah but as you uh, as you were saying it, I was just that was my image that there would yeah. be an end. But I don't think it's a a a reachable. I mean, I don't know the. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Unless think... the scientists have just got bored of trying to explain to people, and they've just said, "Look, <laughs> it, it you're never going to get there. It stops there, mate. It stops there. <laughs> it's like the horizon on the end. You're never going to get. You're never going to yeah. be on it. Just just accept that is the end. Yeah. True. But, um. Or, or maybe there is something out there. Maybe there is a wall, and that's where all the dead bodies are kept. I don't know. Or where yeah, all the right. souls are sort of... That's where heaven is. But I do yeah, think right. in terms of alien life, definitely, 100% convinced there is stuff out there. But I am a sci-fi fan, so my, my natural logic goes towards that. But in terms of things like Star Trek, having ships up there, flying about, yeah. dotting about, I, as far as I'm aware... And I could be wrong because I'm not a scientist by any stretch of the imagination, but like warp drive and stuff like that is is practically impossible, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know how you'd get to the capability of of traveling the distances that there's. I mean, Captain Kirk went on a five year mission. By all accounts, it would have taken him over five thousand to do yeah. any of the traveling that he did. So yeah. Um, so that's where I stand on that. I do think there's something out there. Will we ever see it? Christ knows. I think there'd have to there'd have to be some huge, much much bigger technological advances that would support travel. The only way we'll see it is if something from another place comes to ours 
and is benign and the leaders of the world don't mind letting the people know about it. You know, I think that's, that's the only the, That's the only way we personally would see it. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, but yeah. we as a human race, no, we could evolve to the point where we're the ones travelling other places, but you, yeah. you might be talking another 2,000 years away. I don't know. Yeah. It's a okay. good topic. It's a, I mean, it's. So, I'm not trying to brush it off lightly. I'm just No, no, it's fair enough. Ain't got a lot of, like, that's a podcast in itself, man. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, we, we don't really have the time to, to go into that. But no, fascinating thing. And I love stuff like that because uh, it, it is all relative, but people, I, I, I believe that 99.39% of a percent, everyone in the world has already made their own decision on that. Like yeah. I don't think I don't think anybody's on the fence. I think people either believe there's something out there, or there's not something out there, or, or, or there isn't something out there. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. And and it's very hard to swear those people. Like as we are an opinionated race. Like, yeah, yeah. If, you know, it, it's very hard for us to. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's. I genuinely don't know if it's an arrogance of getting older that we think, oh, I know all there is to it. But we, there is a point where we just shut off from learning stuff. I've done it. I, yeah. Know, it's yeah, very yeah. hard for me to accept that the stuff I don't know, unless sure. it's extremes. Like, I'll happily say to you, I'm not a scientist. I will, that's blatantly obvious. But, you know, th- there's things that are more in our um, yeah. area yeah. where yeah, if, yeah, you yeah. Tell, if you tell me something, I'll always claim to know more than you. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, it's just what I do. I don't know. Maybe that's my hereditary gift. I've got, I've come from a family of arrogant people. <laughs> Not uh, really, Mum. If you're listening, Mum, I love you. Uh, and, uh, maybe, nice. maybe we should get my mum on. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't quite know how many famous people my mum. Uh, see, my mum's not a performer. She's uh, she's a knitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be an interesting topic we could cover. Did she ever, when you were a kid, knit you clothes? Or has she, in your older age, knitted you anything? Right. And you sort of What, felt- now? No, she hasn't got enough wool. <laughs> <laughs> There's not enough wool to knit me a jumper right now. <laughs> Did you see? Um, there was a... Sh- I don't know if it was something relatively recently or it was a recycled video from years ago, but a sheep was discovered that had been wandering alone in, I think it was Australia for so long had gone in the outback and got lost. And when it came, it's like it should have been sheared three times. It had never been sheared and you couldn't even recognize it as a sheep. And they, there's some video, one of those sort of videos of look at the state of this animal. Ah, we fixed it of someone shearing it and it returning to the looking like sheep. But that would have been enough wool there. Definitely. That was a hell of a lot. Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Blimey. Well, I'm surprised they didn't give it a medal. Isn't that where that dog was? That racist dog. Uh, found a sheep as well let's let's make it commodore i saw saw another thing in the news that i have a deep-rooted fear and i still don't really know why of spiders i hate spiders and someone put a video on because there's a lot of floods going on in australia at the moment spiders are seeking much more solace than they used to in people's garages and there's someone's fridge freezer in a garage literally just covered in spiders and i'm like oh and they're all about as big as your hand i'm like oh my god that's horrendous that's not solace then is it isn't it solace being on your own 
Uh, well, I get maybe. I think it. All right, refuge. If you want the exact word, or if you weren't. All right, with, I did. You'll be pleased to know I watched the. Uh, oh, I can't remember which episode it was, but the episode of Mandalorian that you were telling me about with the massive ah, spiders in it. With the and, ice spiders, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like the big spiders came out. Like little spiders started crawling over the place, and then yeah. bigger spiders came out, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, that's that big spider Ben was talking about." <laughs> no, 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 there's a bigger one coming. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, that's that. Yeah, I can see because at first I was saying to her, "I'm like, I don't know why Ben was bothered." I mean, I'm not a big spider fan, but that doesn't bother me. And then that big sucker comes out, and I was like, "I said sucker," and I was like, "Oh." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was impressive. What's weird is huge spiders depicted on films, and I know you don't like it, but there's a big one in Lord of the Rings, and then Harry Potter has a giant spider and things with spiders in. That with the Mandalorian. <clears throat> I can watch that. It doesn't bother me. I don't even have to sort of particularly avert my eyes because they're so big, it's ridiculous. They're clearly an effect, and it's never going to happen to me. You give me a 50p-sized spider right in front of my foot, and I will run away. It's literally ridiculous. That's not true. While we're doing that delivery job, you, uh, well, you did, I did well when, when a couple of them came out. I, I think that's because you're trying up. to look manly. You yeah, I, I had to man up then and not... <laughs> and not, <laughs> yeah, and not did. I was proud of you. Yeah, thanks. I overcame my fears. Just before we have to sort of wrap it up, um, have you got any fears that we haven't heard from about you? Anything like spy me and spiders? Is there anything you're is it heights? Is it anything like that? Or phobias, or are you just all right with everything? Um, uh loneliness. Um, <laughs> I <don't yeah>. <laughs> no. I no, I, I have I have weird kind of, I don't know if it's, um, uh, I don't know, I don't know if it's a phobia or if it's kind of a tip, but there's, there's two things in my life that really drive me crazy. Okay. Um, uh, one is uh, my teeth. I have a really, uh, I have uh, any sort of rough sensation against my teeth, I can't do so. If people oh, like yeah, yeah, hold the gloves, when you eat certain if, things, it, you, you hate it, don't you? If it's a, I can't do with it. And anyone who takes the gloves off, like with the teeth, I'll smack them there and then. <laughs> um, I just I can't do it. I used to I used to live with one of my best friends who's a comic, and right. if we were arguing, he just used to put his t shirt in his mouth. <laughs> like it just, it just started eating his clothes, and that shut me up, and I'd walk the room. I'm getting better now, but back in the day, I was horrific with it. I just couldn't deal with it. Wow. And, okay. and 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 the other thing is wet hair. Like I just, I have a real issue with wet hair being what? left anywhere. Your own? Wet. Oh, left anywhere. Oh, right, in plug holes yeah. and things. <clears throat> yeah, usually, usually the missus, like she's, yeah. Uh, yeah. she's, she does her best to to <laughs> to settle it, but. um like if I go for a shower after she's been in and she hasn't cleaned the plug hole, like I I, I, I struggle. It makes me gag. That literally makes me want to throw up. Like I oh, literally wow, right. start, start yeah. gagging. Can't do with it. Plug okay. holes are just a weird thing. But that's the, those are the only things that make me go. Like if I see a spider, I'm not that bothered. The bigger they get, the more I'm a bit like. Yeah, pretty big. It always amazes um, me. Clearly, there can be people who aren't really afraid of them, and that's fine. But it always amazes me how some people can just 
cup their hands over a big spider, pick it up and just put it outside. I'm like, yeah, it freaks ah! me out. That yeah. does freak me out when people do that. But they yeah. do, they are getting bigger. And I did, I remember reading somewhere that they're getting bigger. But some of the ones I've seen in this flat every night, I mean, blimey, I should be charging them rent. Them. Thanks for sharing that. We good to know they're getting bigger. I'm happy about that. Yeah, well, you yeah, but you don't even like well, you don't like nothing about them. No. But yeah, phobias is an interesting one. Maybe that's a topic we should look at. Um, well, that leads us nicely onto finishing this podcast, and let's do it then. Let's tell the lovely listeners of Feud for Thought. This has been a kind of recap podcast, looking back at some of our other ones, having my dad on as a guest. The next one, then let's go for it. Let's go for phobias in bigger detail, not necessarily our own phobias. Maybe celebrities. Oh, with really? But that means I've got to research for that's going to send me. Oh, <laughs> I, I'm going to have to look into phobias because when you start looking into phobias, they'll start showing you pictures of phobias. Yeah, so like, yeah. Well, you we type have... oh, but yeah, no, all right, we'll do it. Let's we'll, do it. I'll, Just in we'll case go. any anyone's concerned, how about we say this: a light-hearted look at phobias. <laughs> what if I have a phobia of phobias? Oh, there is a word for that, isn't there? I can't remember is what it, it is. Oh. Well, we'll find out next week. Ah, oh, there is. We really will. Yeah, because I don't know what it is, so I'm not telling you. <laughs> <laughs> we will have to find that out for next week now, right? We will, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, no, it... all right. Well, you, yeah, you've announced that. Surprised that on me, didn't you? I well have, done. haven't I? I'm almost yeah, yeah. apologetic, but not really. But um... Well, just like when you give away the ending to matches and things like that. Ah, <laughs> uh, there's a whole other issue we need to come to. <laughs> yeah. there. But, um, well, unfortunately... But yeah, that was... Uh, what 11 episodes down that was the 12th i think that was a good little roundup so yeah. um yeah. yeah likewise one thing we didn't mention at the top because we were so excited about our guest we wanted to just get him on and start it's our first guest so i think we did well with our first guest yeah, totally. but obviously if you are listening hit us up with some topics hit us up with some opinions hit us up yes. with whatever at few thoughts on twitter um yes. and I think it's about time I sourced another means of communication as well, but I will look into that. But for right now, Twitter at few thoughts, let us know that what's, what's happening in your lives, uh, what you think of the podcast or failing that. If you are listening to the podcast on any sort of uh, thing, hit us up with a nice review because that seems to be a thing I didn't know about as well. So on the podcast thing, five-star reviews are all great. I'll even yeah. settle for a four, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> Just, well said. Uh, yeah. I, I heartily agree. Yeah, absolutely. At Feud Thoughts on Twitter. Get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. And yeah, all uh, fabulous reviews are always welcome. We've got to draw it to a close now, sadly. But join us again next week. We'll be back. Check out all our previous episodes if you haven't already. And right now from myself, Ben Simmons, and my esteemed colleague. Me, Martin Hill. <laughs> it's the end of Feud for Thoughts once again. We'll see you again very soon. Bye for now. Bye-bye.